Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. And a very good Saturday morning to you. Welcome one, welcome all to Drive Time Radio. Thank you so much for listening to our radio show. We thank you in advance because we never know when you're going to have to go and do something. Head off to the Lumberyard or wherever you're going this morning. The Lumberyard. How long has it been since you've called it the Lumberyard? I mean, that used to be one of my favorite trips uh, with my dad. <clears throat> my, my most favorite trip with my dad on a Saturday morning was we would, you know, my dad owned gas stations, and so Saturday morning, uh, when I was a little kid, I would go with him to work. You know, he'd get me up, and I had a little gas station uniform, a little shirt with a mobile on it, you know. And um, put the shirt on and pair of jeans and get in the, in, the, in, the, in the service truck with him and head on down to the gas station. And my favorite trip would always be to head out to the junkyards. Uh, but on the way back, we'd stop at the lumber yard. And um, the lumberyard we used to go to the most uh, when I was really young was this lumberyard that was on Junction Boulevard, Northern Boulevard, next to the Pontiac dealer. I think it was Cohen's Lumberyard or something like that. And I mean, it was a cool place. It wasn't, you know, now you're going Home Depot and everything is nice and organized and everything like that. You go and you put the things in your cart and you go, or you get the, you know, you get the forklift guy to come by. In those days, you know, the lumberyard was a shack and a guy with a pencil in his ear uh, with his hat, you know, the, the taxi driver hat on and, you know, writing things down. What do you need? Three, 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 two by fours, uh, three, four by twos, blah, 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 you know, and boom, 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 boom. And you throw it in the back of the truck. And uh, oh, you need five pounds of nails. You go over to the big barrel and you get a thing and put the nails in. And, you know, now it's all. But you know what? Uh, the guy that you talked to at the lumberyard knew everything. If you had a problem, if you needed something, if you needed uh, had a question about putting something together, the guy at the lumberyard could tell you, well, you do this, you do this, you use these kinds of nails, you do this, and then boom. You know, my dad wasn't a great... Uh, home improvement guy, he was a car mechanic. He knew how to fix a car. And I always thought it was great, you know, to go down there. For a little kid, it's a wonderland. And it wasn't like, you know, now where if they're stocking shelves in an aisle, you know, they close off half the store. I mean, we went down there, you know, you walked around. I remember one time I was walking through this, this lumber yard, Cohen's lumber yard, and I almost got popped by a, a bunch of... Um, uh, wood that had fallen off a, a thing. And you know what? My father didn't say, let's sue the lumberyard. He said to me, well, you see, now you got to keep your eyes open when you're in a place like that. And so now when I walk through Home Depot, I look up and I look around and I keep my eyes open and I've made it to 65. So that's the moral of the story, I guess. But uh, yeah, the lumberyard was a great uh, Saturday morning uh, trip with Dad. You know, now, now it's a singles club. Now you go in there and it's women looking for guys. Guys looking for women in Home Depot and in Lowe's and in all the different, uh, <laughs> all these different places. Uh, I guess the whole world's a singles club these days. Lucky enough, I've decided to be single at this time of my life so I can experience this. All right, um, we got a good show for you today. We always say that and we always intend to have a good show and I think that, you know, a lot of times we actually deliver on that promise. Uh, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we got a couple of things that we're going to uh, go over here quickly before we talk to Perry Stern uh, from Auto NXT in just a couple of minutes. Perry, a regular guest on the show. We're going to talk about uh, GM's big announcement. You didn't think that the logo change was the last of it, did you? Remember last week we talked about General Motors changing their logo? <clears throat> you didn't think that that was going to be the final, uh, that's it, that's all. No. No, 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 no. Now, this week, 
uh, they announced that they're um, they're canceling out the internal combustion engine in passenger cars and uh, light trucks in the near future. That uh, coming up here in uh, not so many years that you will uh, be able to go ahead and um, and and buy yourself a uh, Chevrolet or a, or a a pickup truck, uh, you know, GMC pickup truck that um, will have will be powered solely by electric. Solely by the power of plugging it in. And uh, there are a lot of people in the automotive world that are upset about that. There are a lot of people that are, uh, that, that are flipping out about it. When, it. when it came out this week, when the news came out this week, it was, uh, I mean, you should have seen people jumping up and down in the automotive world. Man, oh man. Uh, when when uh, the Washington Post broke that story that uh, General Motors would be carbon neutral, would be all electric by 2040, it was like they dropped a bomb on the automotive industry. Uh, you know me, I'm an electric car fan. I think it's the future. I think you got uh, got to get ready for it. You got to have the batteries to do the trick, but they're developing them. Uh, right now in electric cars, we're where Thomas Edison was with the light bulb. They're trying out all the filaments to see which one works the best. And when they get that one that works the best... They're going to use it, and nobody's ever going to remember anybody who said, I don't know, I don't think we should go away from gas because, I mean, you know, the gas is always there, and it goes through the pipe, and it goes up to the light, and you can always see. And believe you me, I'm sure there were people that were saying that. But uh, carbon neutral by 2040, uh, trucks, cars, the only way you'll get a gasoline engine out of General Motors is if you have a large um, fleet. Eliminating tail pipe emissions from new light-duty vehicles by 2035. So, 75% of their products emit carbon emissions. So they're off. So they're going to eliminate those cars, go to electric, offer thirty all-electric models globally, and forty percent of the company's U.S. models will be electric by the end of twenty twenty-five. So this is so that's really, in in car terms, that means that they're on the drawing boards right now, that they're tooling up for them right now. That this is not some kind of bold, scientific, uh, standing in front of a podium at a World's Fair type of statement. This is a statement that says that they are serious. Ford has their electric Mustang running around the streets already. You can uh, it, you, uh, Somebody spotted one on Facebook the other day. I'm scheduled to drive one here uh, pretty quickly. And I'm excited to uh, to see it. And listen, there's a lot of people now. Now I don't know that they're going to ban uh, the um, internal combustion engine. I think that that's what a lot of people are worried about. And listen, I'm a guy who loves the thrill of getting in the car and hitting the gas and feeling that 
that power surge, that rumble, that sound from an internal combustion engine. I love it. It's like it's like a drug. It's intoxicating. But I also realized that I want to leave the world a better place than when I got here. And I think electrics for the average person, for you, the average person that drives your car down to the lumber yard <laughs> or the junkyard and loads it up with stuff and comes back home, takes a 10-mile trip back and forth, you are going to benefit immensely from an electric car. And I think our environment will as well. Um, I'm sure that they are going to figure out stuff to do with these batteries, to recycle them, to turn them into some other product. And we'll get there. Uh, so I applaud. I, I think it's a great announcement. Again, I know a lot of people in my business are hemming and hawing and you know, but everybody's lining up to drive them. Um, and I think your next car could very well be an electric car. And again, uh, you, um, you know, it's, it's just, I, I think this technology, when it comes to speed, when it comes to things like that, is going to be off the charts. The torque and everything that we see from these cars I think it's going to bring faster speeds and more excitement to racing now I don't know what they're going to do about that. you know when the, when the cars go by that's something that you're, we're going to need to figure out uh, but I think uh, electric racing is um, I think in a lot of ways it's going to take the world by storm so we'll see. Uh, the other thing we'll be talking about with Perry as well as uh, that is some of the groovy things that he has driven lately. And Kia is uh, jumping out of the Super Bowl ad fray. We'll tell you why when we come back on Drive Time Radio. It's New York Vinny here on 1150 KKNW. The new 1956 Nash, Thursday, November 17th. It's the world's finest travel car. November 17th, see the greatest travel cars ever built. The beautiful new Nash Ambassador and Statesman. Brilliant new beauty, blazing new power, exclusive new travel features. They're years ahead of all other cars. The new 1956 Nash, Thursday, November 17th at your Nash dealers. Bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk 1150. Back with you here on Drive Time Radio. Thank you so much for listening. We get a chance now to spend some time with one of my favorite people. Uh, Perry Stern is uh, the the chief uh, reporter, the producer, the man who um, drives the cars and tells you about them for Auto NXT, the place to discover your next car. It's a great website. If you are um, in the market for a car, you want to read about cars, you're just a car nut like I am, you want to jump on the website and find out some great stuff. Perry Stern joins us uh, this morning. Perry, good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you, Vinny? I'm, I'm ducky, man. I'm, I'm good. You know, it's uh, we're all alive. Last time we talked, we were worrying about that a little bit, man. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, it's always a good thing. Always a good thing. <laughs> 
yes, live is better than dead because I hear, and I don't know this for a fact, that the car company stops sending you cars if you die. I'm not willing to take that chance, so. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to stick around, man. Uh, <laughs> Glad to hear it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try, and hopefully uh, all of us will who are listening to this one for a long while. Um, General Motors shook uh, the automotive world this week. I mean, it wasn't unexpected, but yet, I guess to see it announced, to see it as breaking news, to see it as a story, and to look at the timeline, which might have been quicker than many people anticipated, uh, the story of, uh, of them uh, basically going all electric uh, has, has really shaken up the automotive world, hasn't it? It has. It's an interesting announcement because we're still looking. I mean, that's 15 years away, and 15 years is a long time in the industry. Um, and there's so many things that would likely have to change in order for them to actually pull this off. But to me, the, the biggest thing that has to change are the consumers because right now, there's I think there's about 20-some electric cars, fully electric cars available on the market, and they make up less than 2% of annual sales. So in order for GM to get to a point where all they're building is electric cars, you know, not only do they have to build the electric cars, but they've got to have people that want to buy them. Yeah, that seems to be, uh, in many ways, the biggest problem that they have is that the, these cars are, um, are, are good cars. Um, they're, uh, if you've driven one, and I'm sure you have, I have, we all have, um, it, uh, they translate it to, to really great cars. The only problem I think people have more than anything else is is range anxiety, isn't it? Uh, worrying about whether this thing is going to get them back from Grandma's house if they drive over there. Exactly, and you know the the yeah you know, that's the other part of the thing that has to change is the infrastructure. So you know for if you live in a house uh, with you know one ten or even a two twenty charge and you have an electric car, you charge it overnight, you drive it during the day. You charge it when you go to work. Um, that's the ideal electric car ownership, that you never have to stop for gas, and basically you're fueling when you're not using it. But the problem is there's a lot of people that live in apartments or live in places where they don't have a place to park the car and plug it in, and that makes electric car ownership a little more difficult. Um, and so I think you know that's one of those things that, that it inhibits people from going out to buy them because – they are absolutely wonderful cars to drive. I mean, I love driving electric cars. In fact, one of the more recent cars I've driven, uh, the Mustang Mach-E, is probably one of the most favorite cars I've driven. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to drive that. I'm on the list for that as well. And um, did you like it? I mean, did you really, uh, uh, did you feel it was a Mustang or an SUV in Mustang's clothing? It's funny because when I first got it, my first reaction was, this isn't a Mustang, this is an SUV. Uh, yeah, it says Mustang on it, but that doesn't matter. But after spending a week with it, I changed my mind. Because while it isn't a Mustang, it, you know, to me, a Mustang has that V8 roar, even though not every Mustang has a V8. But it's still, you expect it to be you know, uh, more visceral. Whereas yeah. an electric car is very quiet. But I found that the fun of driving that, that Mach-E, you know, it's rear-wheel drive bias, so, you know, you put your foot down going around a corner and it will kick the rear end out. And this was, the one I drove was actually the lowest powered version they have, so more power would be even more fun. But I found it brought out the same emotions that a Mustang does. So while it isn't a Mustang, it kind of did for me what a Mustang does. So, yeah, it's a Mustang. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, and again, it's so much perception because, like you say, you and I remember speaking to I forget who it was at Ford, uh, and and I asked him almost that same question: What are people going to think? The Mustang Club owners are going crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll never call it a Mustang. And um, he said, "Wait till you drive it." He said, oh, "Do yourself a favor. Hold your opinion until you drive the car." And it sounds like, from what you're saying, uh, he was spot on with that. That uh, if you get in it and you drive it. Uh, that uh, your opinion may well change as to um, as to what you feel about the car until you have to charge it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, charging it does take some time, obviously. And, you know, the larger the battery, the larger the range, the longer it's going to take to charge. And um, 
I did have a few issues getting it to charge at the high the high speed charging stations, but I think that had more to do with the charging stations than the car. Um, you know, Ford has has hooked up with I think it's uh, Charge America. I have to look that up. I'm not sure, but they have a uh, a uh, connection with a charging um, conglomerate, basically. So you know, there's charging stations all over the country that you can connect to. But I had trouble getting it to fast charge uh, my Mustang Mach-E when I was driving it. But charging it at my house, overnight I was able to get enough miles that I was able to continue to drive it without much difficulty. Right, which, which if the, again, if you're going to jump in one of these things and drive it across country or drive it to Spokane and back or something like that, that's going to have to be worked out. I, I mean, is, you think at some point we're going to come up, I mean, you know, early on in automotive history, we had a you know a couple of different ways that people put gasoline in a car, and then they came up with the gas pump and the nozzle and the thing, and you put the thing in the thing, and you know it all. Every gas station was the same. Is is that what's going to have to happen? Uh, a standardization of all of this stuff uh, for for the electric cars to be successful. I think so, and I think there is some standardization out there already. I mean, the, there aren't a lot of different types of plugs, but ideally, you know, you know, the, the interesting thing is what the argument always against electric cars is. Well, what if I want to drive across country? It's like, have you ever driven across country, and do you ever plan to? Uh, because people <laughs> come up with these scenarios that are very unlikely, but that's their reason for not buying the electric car. Uh, ultimately, if you filled every rest area with a whole line of fast chargers. Um, that could solve a lot of the issues right there. Yeah, you know, back east, they've they've started to, um, you know, install the chargers in, uh, like on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, if you're driving back and forth, every rest area now has a section that's dedicated to the chargers. And aside from myself, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody using one. I, I just don't, uh. you know, you, you don't see them. It goes back to that only 2% of America are actually buying electric cars. Yeah, yeah, r- really. Uh, Perry Stern from Auto NXT is with us here on Drive Time Radio. Um, SUVs are, are uh, you know, obviously in the Northwest, the big, you know, the biggest selling everybody's driving one. Um, for 2020, did anything change? In SUVs, did we see, I mean, obviously we saw less cars because people were moving around less, but did we see any of the taste or the trends change in the Northwest because of uh, COVID or just because of market conditions? I think that the cross, you know, the SUV crossover, you know, has continued to be very popular. I mean, if you look at the top sales lists, you know, once you get past the, the pickup trucks, because pickup trucks are always at the top of the list. Uh, which is one of those things that surprised me when I got into the industry. But it's, you know, what the F-150, I think, has now been the best-selling vehicle in America for 40 years. Yeah, it's uh, amazing. <laughs> but, the, uh, but right after the trucks, you've got RAV4, you've got Honda CRV, you've got Nissan Rogue. I mean, all of these crossovers, because they kind of do what people want. Um, you know, it, it kind of goes back to the whole electric car. If you're, uh, if you're not going to build what people want, they're not going to buy it. Clearly, they're not wanting to buy the electric cars because they're not. They do want to buy crossovers. So it's a question of do you build what they want or do you build something else hoping that they're going to want something different? Yeah, you got to go out and you got to build what people want. Now, the hybrids, you know, and obviously, I'm not saying anything that people don't know. The hybrids have really, uh, I call them insurance policies. You know, it's for the people that want to feel good about owning an electric car, but yet don't want to get stuck coming home from grandma's house. Exactly. You kind of get the best of both worlds. And the plug-in hybrids are even better um, because a lot of the plug-in hybrids, you can get, you know, 20 to 40 miles of, pure electric range, which I know doesn't sound like much, but most people don't commute more than 30, 40 miles. And actually now with COVID, most people aren't commuting at all. Uh, But that's enough to get you through, but you don't have the range anxiety, like you said, you know, where, you know, if you're, if grandma's house is, you know, 34, 35 miles away, you don't have to worry about getting a charge to get back home. 
Right, right. And then you can always brag about uh, how much uh, you saved by not having to use any uh, gasoline on the way to Grandma's and back, and you still have the, you know, the luxury and the comfort of that engine in there. Um, I, I saw that you were driving a, a Porsche lately. What are you uh, What are you tooling around in? Well, the, the, well, the Porsche, was. it's interesting you mentioned it because that was a plug-in hybrid. Um, right, right. So it had 20 miles of electric only, and, you know, this is, uh, you know, Porsche SUV that's got total of 670 horsepower, but you can cruise through town pure electric, pure silent, and it's just calm and collected. And then you put in Sport Plus mode, and it takes all the electric power, all of the twin-turbo V8 power, and uh, will you know shove you back in your seat and keep you there. <laughs> and so that was a fun car to drive. It's, uh, but it was interesting. With that much horsepower, I still averaged about 21 miles per gallon. Wow. It, because it's, it's a hybrid. It's a- yeah, it's an amazing um, Porsche has really taken to the electrics and the hybrids in, in, in really an amazing fashion, haven't they? They have. I mean, they have the new Taycan, which is pure electric. Uh, I've not had the opportunity to drive that one yet, but I keep hoping. Uh, but I've heard fantastic things about it. Uh, the interesting thing is when I uh, drove the, the current 911, when it first came out and I went to the press event for that, they showed us the transmission, and in the transmission, uh, there is a place for an electric motor. So there will be a hybrid 911 coming at some point. They haven't said when, but uh, they have built this current generation ready for electrification, which, you know, they've, you know, while some car companies have found that with electrification, they can get a lot better fuel economy and better uh, efficiency, there are others like Porsche uh, or even Ferrari a Lamborghini that have found that with electric motors they can get way more performance and torque than they ever could out of a gas engine. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting too because now you have configurations where you have motors on each wheel and and I mean so many different ways that the engineers um, uh, are are constructing these cars or dreaming about these cars that are not that traditional linear you know V8 or V6 or or four cylinder or whatever it is that they're putting under the hood or in the rear it's it's a whole different ball game now as how these cars are 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 being made mobile exactly i mean it, it opens up all sorts of, op- of possibilities though from design standpoint you don't have to design around an internal combustion engine or a drivetrain so you can do all sorts of things with interior i mean for example that mach e which isn't a very large car had a low flat floor because there's no you know no drive line connecting the the front and rear wheels um and uh you know so it's it gives the designers a, an option but you also like you said you can put a wheel a, a motor at each wheel tie them all together and it gives the the ability to you know to do um i guess torque vectoring so as you go around a corner quickly it can actually drive additional power to the outside wheels which helps the car pivot around the corners um and it's and it can all be computerized so you can make it drive like a go-kart or you can make it drive nice and calm uh there's so many options with the electric motors because it's it can be all computerized um too many choices for people people, i'm starting to get nervous I'm starting to get nervous about uh, about people. They're on their phone and they're trying to, uh, you know, text people at the same time that they're trying to figure out which two motors to use on their car. This could be a calamitous. Well, the idea is that it's going to do it all for you. You know, yeah. you tell it you oh. want it sporty, and it does the things to make it sporty. Uh, you don't have to dial. You know, I want I want 16 percent power to my right rear wheel and 12 percent power to my right front wheel. And, Although that could be interesting, too. Well, but yet, if you get into, like, a, you know, an AMG Mercedes, you can't configure those those things to a certain degree to, to do that kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely. Um, so you, in fact, yeah. I long time ago, I had a chance to drive uh, Mercedes for a very short time built an all-electric SLS. I don't know if you remember the SLS, but it had the gullwing doors. Yes, um, and yes. they built a 700 horsepower electric version with we electric motor on each wheel, and when you set it to comfort mode, it drove. You know, you put, went into a corner and it kind of slid through the corner, but you put it in sport mode and it was like it was on rails. I mean, the the change in the drivability of that car just from changing electronics was absolutely incredible. 
Unbelievable. So it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting what they can do. Mercedes really blows you. I, I, I mean, I've driven a bunch of Mercedes this year, this past year, and um, it really amazes you with what they with what they uh, what they come up with. Um, not only in driving dynamics, uh, but in, in comfort dynamics. I, you know, I drove the. Uh, 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 the SUV, and I can't remember which one it was right at the, at the moment, but it's got massaging seats, you, you know, and it's got, uh, you know, your, your, your president has a whole personal trainer program in the, uh, yeah. on, in the dashboard. So it's actually like you're going to the gym while you're driving to work. Exactly. Burning some calories. Actually, I found, I drove the A-Class, which is their entry-level model, which you would expect to be not terribly mercedes-like but it is in fact you can even get it with the what i guess they uh the glass panel that basically all of your gauges and screens are all behind one big glass panel in front of the driver and and the center so it's very high tech looking uh feels very premium very you know futuristic i guess uh in an entry-level mercedes It, it was pretty cool not to mention the car drives really well yeah, it's really, it's um, it, it's a lot of, um, boy, it's, uh, I just, uh, you know, and listen, everybody has the tech stuff that they're doing, so there's no, uh, you, you know, no, nobody, but but this just seems to be, Mercedes just seems to throw that little, you know, when you get in one and you sit there and you play with it, we all, you know, we review cars, you get in a car and you spend an hour just playing with the dashboard now, or two hours or three hours just to see what. You have to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, what's in there and what you I mean, I sit out in front of the house sometimes and I'm in the car and I'm playing with the dashboard and I see the neighbor just looking down at me. I think she must think I'm nuts because I'm sitting in the car for so long. But you're you know, you're trying to familiarize yourself with the things that are in there, which, you know, if you own a car over, you know, a number of years, you probably figure half the stuff out at least maybe not all of it but when you review them you got to look pretty quick man you got to you got to like get familiar with it in you know four days uh especially if you want to use it i do the same thing i go out you know i tell my wife i'm going out for a drive and she'll look out 20 minutes later and i'm still sitting in the driveway because i'm you know got my reading glasses out going through all the different screens because you know i can't see them typically when i'm driving um and uh basically figure out all the different things that the car does and even so you know after driving for a while it's like oh i didn't know it could do that or i didn't know it could do that um and so it's you know and you know we we when when it wasn't covid we go on these press launches where they actually walk you through everything which i never realized how helpful that was until now that we don't go on them anymore um it's uh becomes much more difficult to figure out the car on your own but it also oh. is probably it's a good it's a good example because most consumers that's what they have to do. What's going to be the hottest car in uh, 2021? What's what's the one we're all going to be um, talking about as the car of the year? Wow, that's going to be a tough one. I know one of the ones that I'm pretty excited about is the new Z car, though. Um, you know, they've shown a prototype of the new Z, and uh, I think you know that's such an iconic car. I think they could. They could have a lot of fun with that one. I mean, they're rumored 400 horsepower rear-wheel drive manual transmission sports car. Wow. I could enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, I think I could. Uh, I think you and I could get in that thing and drive down to L.A. and back along the coast and have some fun, right? Not a bad day. That would not be a bad day. <laughs> hey, Perry, it's good to talk to you, man. It's, uh, it's always good to hear your voice. I'm glad you're doing okay. And uh, likewise, we'll talk to likewise. you again soon. We, we yeah, will talk hopefully to you again sometime soon. soon we'll actually get together. Yeah, man. It's, uh, will you bake something? Perry, Perry won't admit this, but he's a spectacular chef. I mean, I see this. He posts these pictures on Facebook of stuff that he cooks, and I go out and gain five pounds just by looking at what he's <laughs> uh, what he's making. So, will you bring something? I'll bring coffee. Will you bring the cake? I'll, I'll, I'll actually, no. I, I like to do bread. I'll make pretzels. I make soft pretzels. Oh, man, I'm in. I'll get the mustard sauce. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, Perry, good to talk to you, my friend. Talk to you later. All right, take care. Perry Stern from Auto NXT, Northwest guy. We're members of the Northwest uh, Automotive Press Association together and uh, does a great job with uh, the website and talking about cars and uh, reviewing them and so on and so forth, just like we do here on Drive Time Radio. Coming up in just a second. We got the Saturday morning cartoon. You're going to love this one if you're stuck in snow. It's Drive Time Radio. 
It's time to winterize. And at Sinclair, that means check. Lubricate, check. Transmission and differential, check. Hoses for leaks, check. Fan belt, check. Drain radiator. And put in Sinclair antifreeze. Change to Sinclair Triple X. The multi-grade motor oil. With nickel added to armor plate your engine against winter wear. Finally, fill up with Sinclair Dino for fast winter starts. Worry about winter? What for? You've got Sinclair winterizing. It's time now. Winterize at the sign of Sinclair. At Sinclair, we care about you, about your car. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, it's Drive Time Radio, right here on 1150 KKNW. Alternative Talk, we thank you so much for listening to the show. You know, I always say that, but I really am appreciative that you get a chance that you listen to the show and that we get together here every Saturday morning. I would be, um, I'd be out, uh, I don't know, I'd go crazy if we didn't get a chance to spend this hour together with, uh, of course, our good friend Nathan, who is uh, pushing the dials and producing the show and make, making everything sound like it's an actual professional endeavor. Nathan, good morning. How are you, man? Good morning, Vinny. And I think I'm also responsible for the rain today. You know why? Why, Nathan? I washed my car yesterday. I told you don't wash the car on Friday. Man, these, these car superstitions never seem to fail. Like, you know, they always say never talk good about your car because the next day it's going to start running poorly. Right. We have a, a, um, a superstition. I guess it's a, it's a tradition or superstition or what. But if you buy a new car back east, and I don't know if they do this much anymore, uh, but when I was a kid, uh, you'd show up with a new car. You just bought a car. People would walk over to the car and throw coins in the passenger floor, on the passenger side floor as like a thing of good luck. And I think it was Italians that did it more than anybody else. But I always remembered that. And always, uh, one day a a friend of mine bought a new car and I took a couple of quarters out of my pocket and I threw it in the front seat. And he says, he looked at me like I was nuts and I had to explain the whole thing to him. So there's a lot of really interesting, maybe we should do a show on that sometime, of some of the things that people believe about uh, the superstitions and uh, the traditions and things uh, that they have about their car. My mother would not ride in a green car. Hmm. My mother thought that a green car was bad luck. She, my father bought a green car when she made him take it back. Huh. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's really interesting. So, again, don't wash your car on Friday, man. <laughs> Otherwise, look what you do. I know. All this rain now. All right, you want to uh, ask me the magical question before we uh, get into our cartoon? Yeah, sure, let's do it. Okay. Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? Oh, Nathan, I'm driving a gem, baby. I'm driving an uncut jewel of a car, the Hyundai Elantra. Uh, And I'm going to challenge you to go out and take a look at one of these cars. And uh, for the price point and for what it is, first of all, Hyundai has done a spectacular job at designing cars. I don't know who their pen guy is, or woman, or I don't know how they come up with these different designs on these cars, uh, but their use of angles, their use of lines, uh, their use of um, of taillights in, in styling the car, and headlights, and textures, and different... Um, lines, uh, 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 concentration lines that run across the length of a car is it, just phenomenal. It's, it's really, I mean, I, I don't want to say they're pieces of art, but they really, uh, it's the car, sometimes you sit there when you get one of these cars and you look at it for a couple of minutes and it really just blows you away and how they how they take the time in a $25,000 car to really make it uh, something that is unique and different 
from almost everything else out there. And that, that, and that carries through to the interior. It carries through to the way the car runs. I'm uh, so impressed with what Hyundai does. And this Elantra uh, that uh, I think a, a couple of people have, have given out an award to as their car of the year. Uh, I just think it's a spectacular uh, entry-level, you know, mid-sized, compact kind of uh, car uh, that's accessible to everybody. You know, we were talking to Perry before. All these automakers are getting away from sedans and guys and um, uh, companies like Kia and Hyundai and Toyota and, uh, and Nissan are going the other way. They're all in on sedans, and the Elantra proves it. So we'll have a few review, a full review of the Elantra coming up. But I, I really had to just say how impressed, I mean, I'm so very impressed with the Sonata. And the Elantra may even have impressed me more, uh, may even impress me more uh, than the uh, Sonata has uh, for the package and what it is and what you get uh, for the money you spend in this car. All right, time now for our Saturday morning cartoon. His name is Mike McDonald. He seems to, uh, uh, he's a comedian, but he also uh, comes up with some very interesting uh, musical endeavors on his uh, Mike's Comedy Network. And uh, I found this little ditty that he uh, has done uh, as a, um, I don't want to say it's a tribute, but with all the people getting snow all over, the United States of America. We had to play a song dedicated to that lonely heart, that snowplowing soul, the snowplow driver. There you go, an interesting look at the snowplow man from comic Mike McDonald. I believe he's out of New England, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And listen, the snowplow people do a wonderful job, man. If uh, you know, if you've ever. Um, you know, known people. I mean, they go out there in all kinds of weather, but it's kind of fun to poke fun at uh, at some of them. Uh, listen, who of us haven't, uh, you know, who, especially if you've lived back east, because here if it snows, you don't drive. You know, you basically stay home. But if, you know, it snows back east, you got to get out, you got to get in the car, you got to go to work, and then, the, you know, you dig your driveway out, and then the snow plow comes along and everything that you threw out in the street, it pushes right back into your driveway. It's a never-ending game of uh, moving the snow around if you're back east uh, and out here, too, to a certain extent, depending on where you are. All right, take a quick break here, come back, and we have our Drive Time Radio Road Test of the Week, a classic, uh, the Toyota 4Runners Drive Time Radio. I'm New York Vinny. This is 1150 AM KKNW. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly... It's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. <laughs> oh, Nathan, man. I, I, I love Nathan keeping it uh, keeping it real with uh, the stuff that's going on with the music. Keeps us, keeps us awake on a uh, Saturday morning. All right, the time now for our favorite feature. The Drive Time Road Test. The Drive Time Radio Road Test. Every week, Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, this week we take a ride in a classic. You know, we get in cars and drive them all the time, and we look at the improvements in cars, but we also 
sometimes you get in the car and say, gee, I wish they never changed that, and I wish they never changed this, and I wish they never changed that. I wish they just improved it. Well, that is exactly uh, what they have done with the 2021 Toyota 4Runner. Uh, it is, uh, I, I told you about this last week when we talked about it on uh, Yo Vinny, what are you driving this week? Uh, that when I first moved to Seattle, uh, I, had, I got a forerunner. I want to be Northwest. I wanted something that, uh, you know, worked out good in the rain and the snow and four wheel drive. And I used to drive down to San Francisco and back a lot to see my kid. And um, I wanted something that would make it through the mountain passes, and the Forerunner fit the bill. Uh, the Forerunner at the time was one of the only uh, cars that you could get with, uh, you know, that, that off-road capability uh, that you wanted to go up to mountains here and stuff, uh, and also uh, uh, a decent rideability to drive down to San Francisco and uh, all other places where you had to go. You had to go out to Cougar Games. Uh, and, you, and you know, and you had to, um, you know, you, you had to get out there, and you had to, um, you know, get, get across the state, go out to Washington, all these different places. So you wanted something that would get you out there. Well, fast forward to 2021, and I get in the um, the brand new Ford Runner, uh, uh, excuse me, Toyota Ford Runner, and it's um. Boy, I'll tell you, it, 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 it's basically the same vehicle. Uh, they've improved the body on it. You know, they've, they've widened it out in places, put fender flares on it, uh, done some things to it, and certainly added uh, the safety uh, equipment, uh, the safety suite uh, that you need today. Although I don't think there was blind spot monitoring this thing. But... It was, it, it brought you uh, that's, that feeling of confidence that you could get in this car and drive it and take it anywhere, off-road, and it would go. Uh, that you, I, I remember the first one I had, you had the shift lever that you knocked down. This one has a dial on it um, that, you, that you got in, and first of all, you get into this thing, it's got... Uh, on a phenomenal amount of, of ground clearance. I think it must be about uh, nine inches or something like that. And you climb up into it, and it really, um, you know, you, you get into it, you're sitting up high. Everything is right now. They've improved the dashboard, put a bigger uh, screen on it, uh, but yet the basics of it still remain the same. Uh, it, um, you know, it, it has, uh, so you have this great seating position where you're up and you can look up over the hood. You can see to the sides, good visibility so you can see around you. And one thing I really like in this thing is you can lower the rear window from the dashboard. So you can kind of turn around and look at what's back. You have the camera there, of course, but you can also lower the rear window. The spacious inside, it gives you, whether you're a big guy, little guy, uh, the seats are comfortable, they adjust, they do everything that you need them to do to make you feel comfortable. Uh, uh, for some strange reason, though, the Toyota 4Runner I was driving didn't have heated seats, and I thought that was odd. I mean, I would think if you have a 4Runner, every one of them uh, should have uh, a heated seat in it. But there's, um, you get in, uh, you're driving it down the road now, and as you drive this thing down the road, uh, you feel comfortable. You feel above traffic. The ride in it, and, and everything is placed really well so that it's very accessible either by the steering wheel or if you're like me and you still like to move your hands over to the dashboard, everything that Toyota puts in there is very, very accessible and uh, easy to find once your, your memory gets to where it is. Boom. Uh, after a couple of days, bang, you're, you're finding all the stuff that you need uh, to drive. There's USB ports, uh, there's a couple of in the back as well for people, and of course the seats fold down and give you room in the back like it's unbelievable. Plus this particular forerunner had uh, like a table thing that, that slid out from the back, 
so that you could have like a, a meal or you could probably sleep in it in back there as well and had a cooler attached to it. I liked it, like one of those Yeti coolers that was attached in the back. Driving the, uh, the Forerunner down the highway. Uh, you know, listen, it's a V6. Uh, it is, you know, 270 horsepower. It's probably the same engine that was in there when, when I drove it uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Uh, it gets you where you're going. It's not a slouch. Uh, is the ride a little rough? Yeah. But again... You're buying a vehicle not to be a station wagon with this thing. You're buying a vehicle to take off-road. You're buying a vehicle that is going to straddle your daily needs, but also get you up to the top of a mountain and back. And when you buy a vehicle like that, you know, you're going to have to make certain sacrifices in certain areas. So it doesn't ride like a Cadillac or it doesn't ride like a Lexus. Uh, it's not a harsh ride. It just, it's set up to go off-road. And when you take it off-road, you get to, you know, take it on any mountain road you'll find around here that you'll take anything else on. And the thing is built to get off the road, to get on one of those forest roads or to get up the top of a mountain to go through snow. That is the primary purpose of this vehicle. And it does it as well as anything out there. Uh, the, you know, the tracking, the moves, uh, the uh, wheels moving up and down, the articulation, uh, the things that you look for in a four-wheel drive, the ease of getting this down into four-wheel low to get you out of a situation, the skid plates on the bottom that protect the bottom of the engine, uh, the roof racks on the top to put your stuff up there so you can sleep in this thing off-road. It's all there. And it's all in a package uh, that, uh, with this uh, battleship gray color uh, that this car came in, was excellent. It does, again, one of my favorite things, does a car do what it's built for? And the Toyota 4Runner does it about as good as anything uh, out there. You can take it on the trail, you can take it over rocks, you can take it through snow, you take this thing anywhere you want to go to um, to have some fun with it off-road. It is, again, my friends, a great vehicle, but it is built even from the first ones when they built them back in the 80s. They're built to go off-road. Uh, you get about 16 miles to the gallon if you're lucky, if you, if you drive it right. But again, if you're driving this thing, you're not worried about how many miles you're getting to the gallon. You're worried about, will it get me to the top of the mountain and back? This particular forerunner I drove was uh, in the neighborhood of $44,000, if I'm not mistaken, and was pretty well equipped, except for seat heaters. Where were the seat heaters? But it had um, the racks, it had the uh, cooler in the back, it had cloth seats so you don't mess them up to fancy leather, and... It took you up where you wanted to go. And that's the best thing you can say about the Toyota 4Runner. It'll get you where you want to go. That's going to do it for another edition of Drive Time. Thank you so much. I'm New York Vinny. We will catch up with you next Saturday morning at um, 8 o'clock. If the ones will in the creek don't rise right here at 1150 KKNW.